It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. On what was supposed to be a bit of a long ho-hum week, well, never quite goes that way, does it, Paul? We have some Giants news. I will read the Giants statement very quickly before we bring in our guest, Phil Sims, who joins us every Thursday before home games. The Giants issued this statement, Paul, earlier today. Late last night, we were notified that a Giants player tested positive for COVID-19. The player was immediately self-isolated and the contact tracing process was initiated. All of the players' close contacts were identified and were informed to remain home today. Those individuals will participate in meetings remotely. We are working closely with the NFL's chief medical officer regarding next protocol steps. Quest Diagnostics Training Center will remain open and the rest of the team will follow their normal practice and meeting schedule. Right after we're done with Phil Sims, we will air Joe Judge's Thursday press conference that'll probably be around 12:20. So make sure you stay tuned for that, and that'll give us some more information on exactly what's going on with the COVID-19 situation. Now, let's welcome in our guest. He joins us every Thursday before Giants home games. It's Super Bowl champion Phil Sims. It's time for the Sims Spotlight, which is presented by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and tea proudly. Phil, you got John Schmelk and Paul Dottino. Thanks again for being with us. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Good to talk to you guys. That's some breaking news. Of course, I haven't seen that or heard it yet, and uh, it's a shame. It's it's taking its time, working its way through the whole league, and now it's hit the Giants. So, you know what? You have to deal with it. They're, they'll do the right thing, I'm sure. The contact tracing is great, what they've done in the NFL. And honestly, I hope it's um, one player tested positive. Is that right? That is what the uh, statement says. That's correct. Okay. Well, I hope it ends there for them just for, you know, really for not only the Giants, but for the NFL. That would be the best-case scenario. Phil, I know we're not getting any details right now until Joe Judge speaks in just a short time, but before we get to our fans' Twitter questions for you, let me ask you a generic question. You've seen what's happened with a number of these cases around the league so far this year. In fact, the Raiders lost their whole offensive line for several days as they had to prepare for a game. What what does this kind of do to discombobulate a team's preparation as they try to get ready for a kickoff? Well, you know, listen, of course it's tough. It, it, it really, I guess, the only thing to compare it to, well, you have time to prepare if you have this. But when you have, you know, multiple injuries to key players, like, um, you know, let's say we had a game back in the day, we probably had one when Jim Burt, Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Mark Bavaro all couldn't play or something like that. Well, you deal with that during the week. Now this happens and you, it's kind of the opposite. We don't have them. Oh, but they can play in the game. And I'm sure the Raiders, just to give a quick example, the offensive line not there all week. It really hurts communication, all the things that you need to do on a film to get ready with film working on the field to get ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm sure the Raiders wanted the game moved back to give them a day or two of practice. But the league, you know, they're holding firm. It's, it's fight through the adversity, and uh, they're going to do everything they can to play these games. And, you know, of course, I understand that too. All right, Phil, we have some bigger picture questions from the fans today, but I want to get in a couple of things that I think is really pressing with the Giants right now. 
I, I look at this offense, and it really feels to me like Jason Garrett's almost calling plays with one hand tied behind his back. The last couple weeks, they just seem really hesitant to run any straight, true five- or seven-step dropbacks because there just isn't a lot of confidence in the protection to give Daniel Jones time to throw the ball. Uh, they've right. played some of the best pass rushes in the league. It's no different this week with the Bucks, who have one of the best pass rushes in the league. Is that yep. what you see on tape? And, and how, as a coordinator and a quarterback, can you work around that? Hard to work around it. Uh, you know, there's many things you can do, but, of course, that limits your offense. I tweeted during the game, I don't know when I did it, maybe third quarter, I said, my gosh, I didn't say it, my gosh, I just said, Daniel Jones has not been able to step up in the pocket one single time in the game. So I did watch the game on tape just to just, you know, go over and see what I saw on TV, if it matched to what I saw on film. And I was wrong. Daniel Jones did have one opportunity during the game to step up. <laughs> one. Okay? Okay. And it, it's it's the pressure. I, You know, I don't know, and I don't care what analytics say in this response. He throws with more people around him than probably anybody in the NFL. There's always, I mean, if he could step into a throw, he'd probably go, well, he probably doesn't know how to sometimes because he's, I, I, I was watching all the throws. I counted five special throws by him in the game, um, and most of those, some of them I had to say, he was getting hit, and he still stood off balance and made the throw, things like that. It's very tough when you cannot trust your offensive line and I would say this all the time. Uh, of course, it's hard to call plays. They actually tried to help Andrew Thomas once. That didn't work. And Andrew Thomas just got himself, look, I'm not a line coach, but I understand enough. They just took turns over there. So he couldn't even get rhythm with who was rushing me because they changed the rusher. And they all have a different style, a different skill set. That made it rough. And the pocket inside, it was okay, but it gets pushed back too far. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's big issues when you're trying to call plays. What are you going to do? Get rid of the football. And, you know, there's many things I can say about it. Let me do, I'll make this one statement, two things. Carson Wentz was the best player in the field. There's no argument there. Uh, he was the best player. He won the game again for them or kept them in the game. He made some absolutely incredible plays. And, oh, I know. He had an interception. Oh, my gosh, you got to play perfect. <laughs> I get so sick of hearing it. You know, I heard somebody on TV this morning just go, well, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, don't even tell me if he can't win the game against the Cowboys. And it's, you know, I hate to tell everybody out there, let's, let's focus a little more on the surroundings and what goes on with the team and not just thinking they're going to win or lose because of the quarterback. We're not able to see the true talent of Daniel Jones. That's one thing. And my last thing is this, is that I thought Joe Judge, that he managed the game from start to finish, is probably the best one of the year. And I'm sitting there going on, come on, blitz him, do something. And they were patient, they held in there. And finally, I thought the Giants kind of wore the Philadelphia offense down, and they got great pressure on him in the second half. Phil, there's a question that Harlem Vet 99 wanted to ask you, and I guess you've kind of already answered it because the question was, why does it seem like Daniel Jones is so hesitant to throw? Well, then obviously he's getting a lot of pressure. But there's another question that builds off of that that I get a lot from fans, and they say, well, why don't you just have a moving pocket? Wouldn't that be easier for Jones because he can get away from the people? You know, it's always a great thought. Hey, you know, I, I say it too sometimes. You, know, you, you, you want a mixture of everything. 
but really to move the pocket is so limiting, and defenses read it so well. As soon as the quarterback rolls right, they all start moving that way, and if you throw it anywhere in the middle to the right side of the field, they're breaking towards it. That's tough. And, you know, it's a, yeah, you want some bootlegs. I thought the Giants showed some uh, diversion or whatever you want to call it uh, with some movement, different formations, things like that. I thought that was really good. But, you know, again, it's, as I'll say, you are not going to win, go on a run of winning games, or be a good football team unless you have a good offensive line. And we still don't see that good play for the Giants' offensive line to say, man, they can win this week because they can protect Daniel Jones and give the receivers a chance to get up and down the field and we can run and – no, that is not the case, and we'll just see how it works out as the year goes. Well, Phil, this one is from at Mountain Girl four five six. She asks, "How would you fix this Giants team right now?" And I'll add the addendum since we just, <laughs> since we just talked about it. Other than the offensive line, well, I, th- I really think the one thing. Listen, they need more weapons. There's no doubt about it. We drafted the Giants, not we. I'm not we, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was there. As Mr. Mara says, there's no such thing as ex-Giants, just old Giants. Okay, there you go, so I'm bro. an old Giant. There you go. But they, they do have to – the offensive line has to do its part. They've got to get it, keep working on it, and they need more talent in the, in the uh, skilled position um, players, the wide receiver, running back, whatever you want to say. They Shepard – Shepard did help last week, I thought, though. He yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we got Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and there's um, uh, Golden Tate. And, you know, listen, that's, a, that's okay. But, you know, where would you rank that in, in the group of wide receivers across the league? Where do we stand? And then the big thing, too, on offense, you'd, the Giants need Evan Ingram not to be good. They need him to be a star. He has star qualities. He needs to be somebody that we go – Wow, you know, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and Evan Ingram's a little different, but, man, he's closer. And that that's a really big thing, too. The defense, uh, I think it's been extremely organized, uh, playing really well, got caught. Uh, I forgot who it was when they gave it the long pass. I was thinking of it. Number Ryan Lewis? Ryan Lewis? Yeah. yeah. Got caught looking inside because I know the coverage, and he had a little responsibility in. But the one thing, you know, you don't want him to run by you. And, of course, Carson Wentz, I, I, I watched it. I just watched his game against Baltimore a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to watch Baltimore, and I went, they had no chance in the game. And with five minutes to go, he takes them down the field twice and scores touchdowns, and they came a two-point conversion away from tying up and taking it to overtime. So he's in pressure moments, moving out of the pocket, to made it, the throw he made, the throw for the touchdown to Boston Scott. That was I count about six or seven big-time franchise quarterback-making throws by Carson Wentz. And, of course, the other thing is, too, which I've always said, Daniel Jones has the ability to really break out and do more. But he's, you know, he's just a – he's doing what they want him to do. Stay, you read this, do that. Just if it I, – I, it's easy for me to say, but play a little more street ball sometimes. When you feel like the, the, the protection is not there, just break away quick. And hopefully, it's not easy, but hopefully you'll find a, a lane to run in, to go by time, to run, whatever, those type of things, because he has definitely shown he has the speed and the mobility to really make that a, a factor when defenses play the Giants. 
Phil, uh, at MoFish24 asks you specifically what you think that uh, Daniel Jones can do to help expose Tampa's defense. And look, I I watched that game last week. It looks like they're playing with 12 guys on defense and the back seven has roller skates on. I mean, these guys are fast and they are quick to the ball. Well, listen, Tampa Bay to me is absolutely a Super Bowl contender. There is truly no weakness on that football team. I thought, okay, maybe protection. I mean, they got a huge offensive line. Wait till you see them. They're as big as the Giants up front, Dexter Lawrence and the whole group, Tomlinson and B.J. Hill, whoever. Uh, they're huge. And Tristan Wirfs has really played well at right tackle. So Tom Brady, just like in New England, in front of him, the center and the guards, they don't move a lot. So he can stand there with a great pocket and throw the ball. They got the skill. And the defense, you said it, big. Up front, good pass rushers, really good. Linebackers with tremendous speed and size, and both of their corners, I think, are top-notch. They're both, they come, both come from Auburn, Carlton Davis, and don't tell me, Jamel Dean, oh my gosh, he looks like a, a, a small linebacker out there playing corner, yeah. and he's his, maybe, maybe one of the fastest corners in the NFL. So, and then, you know, listen, they, like I said, no weakness, and not only that, depth. Tom Brady has changed the, the word culture. There's no question about it. Robert Jones is running like it's the last carry of his life every time he carries it because there's Leonard Fournette sitting behind him and, you know, whatever. So it, it's, it's a tall task for the Giants. And I, I don't have an answer to say to you, what are they going to do to overtake this Tampa Bay team? Yeah, Phil, it, it is going to be a tough game. Uh, big it pick- is. It's, <laughs> listen, it, it, it's all you can do is go out there, fight, and, and hope the ball kind of falls your way, which it can sometimes. We were wanting not to go back in history. We were 1-7 in, in 1980. We were absolutely awful. If we lost 45-7, to I'd just go, well, that's about the way it's going. And <laughs> we played the Dallas Cowboys 7-2, and and we just went out and played. And what do you know, we beat them 38-35. to So sometimes it does against a team that's better than you. It can click. And that's what the Giants really have to hope for, that it clicks. And there's nothing wrong with doing maybe more diversion trick plays. I don't even call them trick plays. I call them plays to keep the cheating defense honest. That's what you do. And, you know, my son and I talk about this all the time. Why does everybody wait to a certain moment to, you know, throw it to one side of the field, throw it back or run reverses? I mean, man, get that defense thinking. And if you when you do that, you know, when you think, it slows you down, of course, physically. So uh, I, I'm interested in watching it for lots of reasons, to see how Giants do. But, of course, I'm also interested in watching the game because I want to see uh, another game by Tampa Bay. They've, they've become must-watch um, by everybody, I think. Yeah, I'm with you, Phil. I think them, the Steelers, and the Chiefs, you know, talk about all of them in the same category. They're all Super Bowl contenders. I'm with you. Um, this is more of a big-picture question from at Petrina Smith one How do you evaluate – where Dave Gettleman has built the Giants up to this point and kind of where they are in that rebuilding process from when he took over three years ago? Well, that's a good question. I really can't go back and go through the whole thing and all that. And and I'm not going to sit here and say anything negative about it, that's for sure. I just know this, uh, you know, know, for many reasons. One, I'm probably not qualified to go over it. Hey, listen, they got Blake Martinez. That's worked out. I think Dexter Lawrence, when I watch him, he's getting better and better and more mobile and nimble, which I love. Dalvin Tomlinson, he's got that same look. Just to, you know, they, 
guys that can bend and twist and all that, and they're huge, they're sooner or later going to start making more impacts. And I see that when I watch – and B.J. Hill, too. I see it with those guys. And Kyler Fackrell, I love these – him and Blake Martinez up in Green Bay when I did games up there. I was like, I like these guys. They just know how to play, and they've been productive on, on the field. So, And Bradbury, he's been solid basically all year long. That's a great thing, too. So there's something there. And I always go to this. Things can change fast in the NFL. Uh, this time last year, I reminded guys in the NFL today and Showtime, we were sitting there going, oh, and six Dolphins, they'll never win a game. They're going to lose every game. They're going to get to a. And I said, no, they're going to win some games. I said, they'll win. You know, at the time, I thought it was Reese. I said, they'll win three or four. And they all kind of, and I really kind of thought two. But I said, three or four, just to put some emphasis on it. And look what they did. Because they stayed together. They were organized, which I'm starting. I see that with the Giants. And just with, you know, being together, keep working and all that, and sooner or later we'll click where it gives you, you know, more than just a couple chances to win games. Now, look, the Giants have what? Had Philly beat, really? Had a chance to beat the Cowboys? I mean, we could be sitting here in a whole different scenario talking about the Giants, but they didn't. They're going to have to win those really close, tough games like they've lost. Well, the one thing I will say before we let you go, Phil, is that as you look at this Giants team, it is clear they do play for their head coach. They do fight. They do put their best foot forward. It may not always come out very well, but this is a team that, that's certainly given everything they've got, whatever that is. Well, you know, I, I'm going to answer that real quick is you are right, and, and I talk to a lot of people around the league, and I have not heard, you know, from coaches, people I really trust their opinion, the so far everybody has lo- just says nothing but nice things about Joe Judge and what they think he's doing with the football team. How he's reacted to situations, how he's treating the players, how he's kind of honest with the press, all those things. I think he's connected with the players. So this is, uh, you know, it's it's a long hard road winning in the NFL, guys. Paul, I tell you, you know, winning one game. When you win, you go, oh, my God, we won. I mean, it's every week, even when we were good. Like, I just go, man, we won. Oh, it's just, it's just it's incredible. <laughs> and when you lose, it seems like you haven't won a game forever. So it, it's, you just keep going at it. It's a game of adversity. It's rough. It's tough. But the last thing is, running down that field on Sunday before the game is the greatest feeling in the world. And so you just hope it works out from, uh, from everything you've done to prepare during the week. Phil, great stuff. We appreciate the time as always. Enjoy your weekend of football. Enjoy Halloween, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Be good, Phil. Okay, guys. Listen, have a good day. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to it. And, you know, and I, I don't mean to do a shameless plug here. No, sh- but plug but away. Plug many away. things. I'm a man of a creature of habit, but I've changed my Bigelow teas. I'm now drinking different kinds. I drink peppermint because I get an upset stomach sometimes watching all these tapes. <laughs> so it settles my stomach down a little bit. So, see, I'm being a little bit of a doctor to help people to get nervous stomach. Peppermint tea oh. doesn't, man. I'm a okay. lemon honey guy, Phil. I like the lemon honey one. I hear, I, well, I like them all, but I, I, I get it. When I get on one kick, I stay on it until I just wear it out. So we'll see. That's it. Appreciate you guys it. have a great day. Thank, Thank you, Phil. Phil. Appreciate okay. it. And by, by the way, Phil's right. Bigelow has a great variety. The green teas, the constant comment, which is a big fan of that. They got the peach. You got the lemon. Like all of them. So make sure you guys go and check that out. That was the Sim Spotlight, which was presented by Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug and tea. 
proudly. You're listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is on the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find it on the Giants mobile app, on all of your podcast platforms, and at Giants.com slash podcast, where you can find all of the programs in our podcast network. Joe Judge's press conference has been going on for about 10 minutes. As soon as that's over, uh, we will try to turn that around for you, and we'll get into a little bit more detail, Paul, as to what's going on with the Giants announcement. If you guys missed it, uh, at the top of the show, the Giants did release a statement this morning. I will read it for you one more time, just so everyone's on the same page before we hear from Joe Judge and his Thursday press conference. This is the Giants statement. Late last night, we were notified that a Giants player tested positive for COVID-19. The player was immediately self-isolated, and the contact tracing process was initiated. All of the player's close contacts were identified and were informed to remain home today. Those individuals will participate in meetings remotely. We are working closely with the NFL's chief medical officer regarding next protocol steps. Quest Diagnostics Training Center will remain open, and the rest of the team will follow their normal practice and meeting schedule. And, Paul, just speaking you know, vaguely about this until we hear right. from, from Joe Judge, it's a blessing that this is a Monday night game. If this happens in the game Sunday, it's a little bit more complicated. Having that extra day does give a little bit of a cushion here to make any potential adjustments you might have to make. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it because we've seen other cases earlier this season where games did get moved to Monday night because they were supposed to be kicking off on Sunday. Well, in this case, you've already got the Monday night factor built in because that's when the game was originally put down on paper for. Now, I do have uh, Dan Solomon, the Giants.com staff writer, who also works with Michael Eisen. He's quoting Judge, and we'll play the presser in a minute. I should say this right here. He says, quote, we're expecting to play Monday night. That's our mindset. So it does appear like all arrows are pointing in a Monday night kickoff, John, and that the league uh, potentially, again, fingers crossed, will not have to try to make any adjustments there. Yeah, and he also tweeted out, Dan, and again, you should follow him, at Dan underscore Salomone, S-A-L-O-M-O-N-E. He also tweeted out, Joe Judge said the Giants will switch their post-practice meetings to a virtual format. That, of course, you're trying to, you know, if somebody else hasn't tested positive, but maybe they're a carrier but not testing, that, that, that you protect as many people as you possibly can. But that, that's the beauty of the contact uh, tracing mechanism, Paul. And for the people that don't quite understand how this works, now, yeah. Paul's in the facility once a week, right, or, or twice a week, Paul, right? I'm in uh, there. Yeah, twice a week. I'm in there, you know, four days a week. And anybody that walks in the building, just so people understand how this works, is issued a small white rectangle that has a flashing light on it, and you it's have like a to, big piece of Starburst candy, right, John? Yeah, kind of, give right? or take, or yeah. like a uh, like a medium sized Lego piece, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So everybody's issued that, um, and everybody in tiers one, two, or three are issued that little tracker, and you have to wear it on you all day, whether it's in your pocket or hanging from your wrist or uh, around your neck, however you want to wear it, and it basically sends back data indicating who you are around and where you are during the day in the facility. So when you have a positive test, based on those trackers, uh, the Giants medical staff and the league and everyone else knows exactly who you've been around. So it allows the team and the league to understand what other people may be in danger of getting 
COVID-19 from that individual based on who they've been around. So there's a lot of data, which is what allows these teams to isolate the people that may be potential carriers and protect the rest of the group based on who they've been around from that contract tracing, contact tracing, excuse me, technology. Yeah, and I think the other part that people should understand also, folks like John and myself are known as the Tier 3 ah, people. Good point. Because we are ancillary people who work around the facility. The coaches, the players, the medical staff, the equipment people, all of those kinds of people, the front office people, uh, they're either Tier 1 or Tier 2, which means they have to get tested every single day. Okay, John and I don't get tested every single day. I get tested once a week. I think you're the same, John. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, and so uh, that's that's the kind of difference between the levels of people. And obviously, as a tier three person who only gets tested once a week, we are not allowed to come into contact with tier one or tier two people when we are on campus, or for that matter, obviously on game day either. And so. This is where it stands and why, to be frank with you, and I'm not trying to make any excuses. It's just the facts. Because of the COVID protocols that are in place, you know, folks like John and I, who often have much more to tell you about what's going on on a day-to-day basis, we're kind of limited. And I'm not trying to be funny. We're kind of limited in in what we're able to do because practice viewing is limited. uh, Access to the facility is limited. We are not allowed to personally have conversations or be in the presence of the coaches or the players. And these are things that we've often tried to bring you as a conduit because we've got that ability to share those things with you. We just don't have that this year. This is 2020. It's a bad, bad year for everybody. Yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea, I had to move my office because my office was close to the cafeteria and where the players are. I literally had to move where I work every day. Uh, We are not allowed to walk into the cafeteria. That is off limits. Right. Um, the bathroom next to the cafeteria, that is off limits. The the meeting rooms, off limits. The locker room, off limits. Equip fields, you name it. Anywhere where the players are, we are not allowed to be there. So uh, the league takes this extremely seriously. Uh, they're doing everything they can where if somebody happens to test positive, and look, that's going to happen sometimes. The Giants, and you got to give them credit, the fact that they haven't had one positive since everyone arrived for Camp Paul back in early August is right. is is really astonishing. Right. It shows how it responsible is. everyone has been, but it's going to happen. Look at the world right now. By the way, it's not just the United States. Look at Europe. It's it's all around the world where this thing is is having its fall wave. And you know, we talked about the fall wave that was going to come at some point. You know, the, the experts all talked about it, and and right now they're dealing with that. So you know, it's something that we're all going to have to deal with. Uh, to Phil Sims's point, you hope it, it it's just that one player. And it doesn't pass on to other people. And you kind of figure it out from there. And it's going to have to be fluid. Everyone's going to have to be flexible. And they're going to have to work it out where, you know, players follow the rules. And if everyone follows the rules and you contact Trace, um, it should be limited in terms of uh, how it affects the team as a whole. All right, Paul, I believe I have this here. 
I'm going to. Oh, you attempt, have it ready? Yes, Good. I have I was it ready. I'll offer it to you. No, I got it right here. I have it set okay, up from great. where I played the open, so I might as well try. Keep in mind, folks, if this isn't perfect and it's a little bit sloppy, it's because I'm literally recording and trying to edit this as I'm hosting a show, which is not easy to do. I am doing my best. <laughs> and here is Joe Judge's press conference. It is 12 minutes. We have no idea exactly what's in it because we were just on the air while he was talking. So we're going to listen to the whole thing, and then I promise you we will get to your calls at 201-939-4513, presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Here's head coach Joe Judge at his Thursday press conference talking about what's going on with the New York football giants and the situation with a player testing positive for COVID-19. Let's listen in. Look, we've shifted our preparation today into Tampa. Uh, obviously, this team's an explosive team, you know, really in all three phases of the ball that you've got to account for. I think Coach Arians done a phenomenal job of really bringing a staff with a lot of continuity, guys that have played for him, guys that have worked on him in the past. So it was easy for him to get a quick jump in this program. He's added a lot of dynamic players since he's been there. They've really got these guys rolling this year. You know, Bruce's, you know, aggressive mentality, you can see in all three sides of the ball. It starts on offense, obviously. You know, they're running the ball extremely well with Jones. They're doing a great job with the play action passes, setting the shots with Tom. And they're doing a great job in all the situational football, red zone, third down. They're really a team you have to prepare situationally for. You know, defensively, you know, Coach Bowles does a phenomenal job of really spinning the dial on you. You're going to see a lot of pressure early down and third down. You're going to see a lot of situational calls in the red area and, and third down in two minutes. But the thing is, guys do is they play discipline. They play really, really hard. And that's going to be just definitely a trademark of Coach Bowles' defense. And we got to make sure we can handle the movement and the pressures up front. You know, and I'll start with that. You know, special teams-wise, Keith Armstrong's a guy I've known for some years. Got a lot of respect for him. You know, Keith does a really good job of taking the players he has create matchups on your players. And then he does a good job getting these guys to play hard and physical. That's really his trademark right there. So all three sides of the ball, we got our work cut out for us. We'll start today on preparation and that'll build in the Monday night. So at that point, I'll open up any questions you guys may have. Dougie. Hey, Joe, um, can you just kind of give us a timeline of, of everything that's gone on with the COVID situation, you know, when you found out about Will's positive test and, and the close contacts, just everything uh, last, I guess, 12 hours or so? What times are right now? About noon? Yeah, give me about uh, last about 13 hours ago. So, yeah, about 13 hours ago, I was notified there were some issues, maybe a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit longer than that ago. Um, we got the list of names of the players. We made adjustments. We had a couple coaches involved. You know, we've been fortunate in that there's really no, you know, high-risk guys within the tracer contacts, but we have some precautions we have to take as a team. Uh, we're optimistic to get all of these guys back, Dan. So we're operating that we're going to have them back right now. You know, in terms of what we're going to do and adjust as a team, I'm going to change the post-practice meetings to meet virtually. We've made some adjustments on the field to incorporate some face shields and some masks during practice, which has not been required before now, but we're going to make sure our players are wearing the mask during the actual activity. That'll be different for our guys right there. Um, but we'll meet post-practice virtually. I'll determine as the head coach how we're going to approach tomorrow's morning and afternoon meetings, uh, but we're going to plan on practicing in person tomorrow regardless. So, I'll make that decision later on today, and I'll talk to the team about it. And then just as far as Will, I mean, how is he feeling? Does he have symptoms or anything? You know, Dan, I haven't spoke to him yet. Um, Ronnie's been in contact with him, so I couldn't answer that question. Thanks. Bruce Beck. Joe, has your message to the guys changed in any way, just in terms of uh, the danger, the contagious nature of this virus, and 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 what we're what we're fighting here, not only as a as a football team, but but a, but as a nation, as as the world. No, the messages remain constant, you know, and, and we just got to remind each other constantly, you know, and 
look, it's all about being safe. It's all about making sure we put ourselves in the right situations. It's about the social distancing in the building, the protocols with the masks and the PPEs. We just got to go ahead and stay consistent with that throughout the season and make sure we you know, put ourselves in the best position possible. I think it starts with, you know, hey, look, our facilities, you know, Ronnie and the facilities director have done a great job of setting up where we have the meet. We've transformed our indoor facility into really our meeting space for this year. That's really allowed us to remain spaced out and more of an open area, air, open air situation to help with the players and ventilation. You know, in terms of having the protocol set up to make sure we're spaced out in meetings and to be able to still have in-person meetings, that's really been, you know, something that we've benefited from and it's helped us along the way. Tim Jones. Oh, hi. Uh, hi, Joe. Uh, you Thank alluded you. to it in your opening, but given that I think the Bucks get after the passer in terms of sacks, second only to the Steelers in this league, how much of a concern would it be if your offensive line is is you know, compromise at all. And, and my follow-up, if I may, would be, you mentioned having all the guys back. Does that include Will Hernandez? So, Kim, I can just tell everyone on the call, like, look, obviously the, the word's out and a lot of things that are going on. Uh, we've been told internally that we can't comment on specific names until they come out later on today, which is everything will be in the injury report. Um, in terms of the main name you're referring to, you know, I'll have to wait and see how the testing goes these next couple of days. But I'd say the optimism of all the people who are only related through tracers is very high right now. Um, the, their amount of exposure to this was really on the minimum level to be registered in this category. So that kind of eliminates them from being high-risk guys. Uh, that's been good. Most of it came from through passing, uh, sitting near each other in team meetings, things of that nature, but it's been a low amount of time. So it's kept us away from some of the high-risk stuff. So, Kim, we're very optimistic right now. We're going to have our players back. Obviously, it's our job to make contingency plans. Uh, but getting on to the uh, Bucks, like I mean, their their front is very dangerous. They're very explosive. They got a lot of talent. Todd does a great job with you know creating combinations. Ideally, you want to have all your guys back, but it's our job to prepare everyone available, and it's their job to be ready. Thank you, Jordan. Hey, Joe. What's the concern level at this point that the game might not be able to be played on Monday night? Yeah, we have none right now. We're expecting to play Monday night, and that's our mindset. Appreciate it. Pat Leonard. Hey, Joe, with the two assistants out for today, I know you've been using guys who aren't necessarily on the coaching staff to help out. You have a couple names that you know are just going to step right in and kind of coach those position groups, or is that not even necessary for a practice? Yeah, everyone who will coach today is actually a member of our coaching staff. We've talked before about those contingency plans of all throughout the building. People went through spring and training camp with us, learning different positions in case it were to come up some kind of a mass lockout or some kind of, you know, major numbers concern. We don't have that today, Pat. So the guys are going to coach are guys that are going to be on, you know, that side of the ball to step up and just help out. And we've already crossed over a lot of coaching throughout the season, you know, through different drills and periods and how we meet. So it's not a drastic change for us today, Pat. Thanks. Lombardo. Hey, Joe. Um, I was hey, just Pat. curious, as far as the um, contact tracer devices that you guys wear, are players and staff required to wear those outside of the building? And did any did Will Hernandez come in contact with anybody who might have been um, out and about the other night at the dinner in Manhattan? Uh, yeah, I don't believe so on that right there. Um, as far as contact with tracers outside the building, you were required to wear them throughout the entire workday. So that's at practice, in the meetings, in the cafeteria, in the locker room. Um, you know, you always have it on at all times. Some guys wear it in a lanyard. I keep mine in my pocket at all times, but you always have to have it on you. Uh, all right. 
Hey, Joe. How's it going? Good. As much as you've prepared for a situation like this, obviously calls start going out last night. When you're meeting with the team this morning, which I assume you have already, but maybe it's been virtual contact, how do you approach it with the rest of the team? Is it just a business as usual? I have to imagine guys are kind of antennas up. This is really the first time you guys have had to deal with this really since the beginning of training camp. No, there's always some kind of adversity we're going to deal with, Art. So to us, this is just a sudden change. We just keep on moving forward. We emphasize working on what we can really accomplish today as a team. And, you know, we get everyone ready who may be part of the game plan. Ralph? Joe, um, I know there's kind of limited things you can say about the names of the players, but right. obviously we know that it's Will Hernandez and the likelihood of him playing Monday night just based on the protocols I think is small. Assuming any of that is true, is uh, Shane Lemieux the next guy up for you at guard, and how ready is he um, for you know, if he is asked to have a bigger role? Yeah, Shane's been doing a good job really improving for us you know, throughout the season. He's done a really good job in practice. Uh, we're planning on really working him in throughout the games anyway, to be honest with you, in terms of just just so we kind of work Matt Pert in the games as well. Um, so, yeah, we have confidence in Shane. He'll be in the mix of different guys that may factor in that position. We'll see where it goes by the end of the week and where everything leads going into Monday. But, yeah, we have confidence in Shane. I would expect him to play regardless of what the scenario is. I'm right. Joe, I know he's on the other side of the country, but does any of this affect Saquon and his scheduled uh, surgery this week? Uh, not that I'm aware of right there, but obviously, you know, Ronnie's going to make sure in contact with different guys, but not that I'm aware of right there, Tom. Zach? Ralph asked what I was going to, but I'll just jump on that a little bit. So Mark Colombo yesterday was talking about uh, Shane Lemieux, and he said that, you know, when he when he started out, he was maybe a little over-aggressive because he was out there trying to fight everybody or something. And he said he's gotten a lot better at that and his technique and stuff. Have you noticed the same thing? Is that kind of his mindset that he just wants to get out there and hit somebody? Yeah, Shane's definitely an aggressive player. He's definitely got that bruiser mentality to it. Um, but he's settled in a lot technically. He's shown a lot of improvement throughout the year. You know, we, we liked him from the jump. He's definitely a guy that wants to get after, wants to play physical, wants to play aggressive. You know, what he's really made a good adjustments to are, you know, a lot of the movement schemes and also the speed of the game of how it comes to it. So his communication inside has really improved throughout the year, which for the centers and guards inside, that's definitely a critical piece of everything they're going to do because of the multiples they'll see inside. Uh, but he's really shown a lot of growth for us right there. Thanks. We'll take two more, Mark and Daryl Slater. Mark. Yeah, Joe, um, just for, with regard to the, the number of close games you guys have had, and, and obviously you haven't finished on the on the positive side of those, is it a double-edged sword there? Do you feel like the more you're involved in those, the guys, you know, maybe have a little more experience and get over the top, or does it become a confidence issue when you when you are in those close games and there's a here-we-go-again here element to it? No, I think our job is to play every game as its own entity, you know, and, and every game's different circumstance, different situation. We play every game to win every game. There's things we have to clean up and correct on. We have to do a better job coaching. I do a better job executing as players in situations. Uh, but to me, look, the guys have responded every week, you know, in terms of the confidence issue. Yeah, it's been a question guys have asked repeatedly. Yeah, that's not an issue with our guys. Our guys come to work every week. They see improvement. We can show them, you know, marked improvement on the tape when they see themselves play, when they see the units perform. So we just got to keep stringing together and improving as a team, you know, and get the results we're working for. Just as a, as a quick follow, Joe, when you do get over the hump in one of these close tight games, whether it's last game of the last play of the game or whatever, what can that do for the, the morale and the confidence and the psyche of the team and maybe, 
you know, kind of start a trend in the other way. Yeah, look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not a huge believer in momentum to begin with. So in terms of one game affect another game, I don't really ever think so. I think you have to show up and, and whether you won last week or lost last week, it's about what you do preparing this week and how you execute on the field for 60 minutes. That's gonna dictate the results of that game. I respect the question. I understand exactly where you're coming from. My personal mindset and philosophy doesn't really tie too much into how one game affects another one. Thanks, Jim. Last question. Last question here, Slater. Hey, Joe, you mentioned earlier in the call some of these changes you're making to practice in terms of guys wearing masks and then also going all virtual with your meetings. Will those be permanent changes for the rest of the year or just until this thing clears up here? Definitely through this thing clears up. We'll see how it works out with the team. We'll see what the league protocols mandate us to do. We just want to make sure we make the best decision for the players at all time. We've been pretty good up to this point and been fortunate to avoid one of these tests. You know, We're a long way into the season at this point. So we want to make sure we definitely get through this patch. We keep our players safe. And then when we feel we're out of this patch with the league's guidance and our medical team's guidance, we'll make the best decision for the team. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge at his press conference on Thursday talking about everything that's going on. And folks, as you might imagine, if the head coach can't mention any names, we can't mention any names either. So if you want to call it an ass, cool, but we can't mention any names. Um, we're taking our cues from the head coach on that. So it is what it is. We get it. Um, but that's just the situation we're dealing with. The New York Giants at Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Paul, your takeaways from that presser. Well, I think when Judge uh, indicated that there will be shields and masks worn by the players now at practice, at least for the foreseeable future until they get out of this uh, under the cloud, uh, you know, that to me is certainly a change. We, we, You know, that's not something that they've had to do so far at practice. But this is a reaction to now something that has happened because, as Judge has said, the Giants have been so clean up to this point, there didn't seem to be a need to, to go to an extra level. Now you've got to go to an extra level because something has happened. Makes sense to me. Uh, other than that, the fact that he said, and we did also mention this before you played the uh, recording, that they do plan on playing Monday. It looks like all systems are going to be go. I do think it's very helpful that he said the uh, tracer people, not necessarily the, the positive tested player, but that the tracer people, they believe will have uh, able to be able to return quickly. And that's a very, very big deal as they try to get ready for Monday's kickoff. Yeah, as everyone out there knows, you know, the way this thing gets transmitted, the longer you're around somebody in a sustained space, in a cl enclosed space, that's going to increase the risk of transmission. So if those tracers say that the player that tested positive does not have long sustained contact at close distance without masks, you know, between players, then that indicates that hopefully it will be an isolated incident and there won't be any, for any further transmission in the building. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Let's go to the calls. I'll take them in order. This is the order they came in. I'll put them on the air in that same order. Let's go to Jane in Virginia. She'll join us next. Hey, Jane. Hi, uh, this is James. Oh, I'm sorry, James. I had Jane written down on my sheet fine. here. Was... Go ahead. I apologize. Yeah, I, uh, I was actually eating lunch when the phone picked up. He caught me by surprise. So, um, What do you have? I want to talk about uh, chicken parm sliders. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, they were good. They were good. A bright spot in today, I guess. Um, 
So I, I called to talk about Ingram. Talk, I called to talk about a lot, actually, but I'm going to start with Ingram. In the four years, we haven't seen a whole lot of production. To say, we're, you know, he's talented and he's going to be part of our offense, um, I think they're just giving him a pass, holding on to him too long. Uh, send him to the Rams, New England, Miami, somebody that, that'll – give us something for a pass-catching tight end. Well, James, here's the thing. I think the question you have to ask yourself is what, if you want to go down that path, and we have no idea if the Giants are, is what you're getting in return more valuable than the chance he can figure things out in the offense? And 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 that's the calculation that the front office will make. You know what I mean? Right, and I, I would say to that, in the four years, he's our, he hasn't He's probably won us, with his production, has probably won us one game, maybe two, right? And we have seen, yes, it's a lot, and that goes in the game, that he's lost us more games than he won with lack of production. So if you want to say, let's see what he gives us, and, and rather than getting rid of him, honestly, this is... Me, this next statement is just going to be me personally. I'd take a ham sandwich and, a, and two <laughs> sodas for Ingram right now. Fair you enough. Know, well, I'll, I'll see what we have next year because we already know what we got. We got a drop crucial pass in a team that we cannot beat franchisely. This is, you know, we go into a house of horrors and he drops another pass, uh, tip pass interception. These are, these are teams we need to beat just to feel good about ourselves. And he's not helping. So, what's your second you're point? Not helping the situation, you're hurting. Let's move on. What's your second um, point? Early in the year, uh, during the off season, before the uh, brother Floyd situation, I talked to um, Polly Dots about a "Would you rather" situation, and I posed to him, "Would you rather have all the young guys starting now, basically, with maybe three uh, three wins uh, with that combination?" And then next year, being a, a bona fide playoff team because they have the continuity going into next year, or would you take more wins this year with some of the guys you had, of course, before um, people started opting out and all? And I say that to say with um, the way we've been building over the last couple of years, we haven't had much pass the baton uh, continuity between guys that we've had in here and where our team is going. So right now we're going to be starting with a rebuild that's going to take longer than four years if we're ever going to do anything significant because the young guys have to start playing well, which is going to take a couple of years. And then by the time they start playing well, if we're even making the playoffs, we have to bring somebody in. Uh, we have to draft a first-rounder to replace them so that he can get some sort of playing uh, guidance from the Thomases and Parrots and Lemuse that are going to be five, six years veterans uh, into this rebuild. You understand what I'm saying? Go ahead, Paul. Well, I mean, as you've said, you've already you, addressed this with me before, and I've often said to people that, you know, when you're in the situation the Giants are, where you're not further along down the road to being a contender, the one thing that you don't want to do is to shy away from those rookie mistakes because it's those rookie mistakes that will help these young players learn to actually get better. 
I mean, if you're just going to be concerned with getting guys who are not going to make mistakes and who are already made, as I said on the show the other day with Lance, well, then that means you're building an entire team with free agents. And you can't do that because there's a salary cap and you don't have enough money to do it, which means, you know, that's impossible. You need to be able to grow your team through young talent. That's just the bottom line, which means you have to suffer through the learning curve. And I don't, close. And I don't think you have to wait till they're five or six-year pros. I mean, You can't no. because they're gone. Right, if you exactly. wait that long, John, they've already gone out the door and taken money from somebody else. Right, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think it's that long of a process. But oh, I don't. I don't think they've been like passing on playing younger players, especially this year. I mean, they're playing a bunch of young guys. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't, what they I don't... have, you know, John, they've got. Not only do they have the the, the last two two years of rookies uh, or three years now with, with the Dave Gettleman era, but they also have younger veterans, which actually is is a good thing. It's one thing that Dave Gettleman really made sure he did here as he continued to to go through the phases of his retooling process is that he didn't sign a bunch of guys who were, you know, 33, 34. You know, the Brandon Marshall stuff, That those ex, those experiments are over. So, Paul, to me, what, the only two guys that are playing significant roles that are over 27 is probably Logan Ryan, right? And he was a late ad to replace Xavier McKinney, who got hurt. I still think he's in his prime, though. No, and that's fair. But I'm just talking in terms yeah, of, like, Zeitler's really young older. players. Zeitler's older and Golden right. Tate's older. Correct. How old is Cam Fleming? What is he, 28, 29? Yeah, so, I, I, so he's not 30. So, But those four are probably the only guys over 27. So they've been playing a, a lot of young guys, and I guess uh, Devontae Freeman too, but he was a late add, obviously, after Saquon got hurt. So, you know, they're, they're playing a bunch of young veterans. I mean, it's not like they're running out a bunch of, you know, 30-year-olds. Well, no, and I'm, unless I'm mistaken, I don't even think that uh, that Logan Ryan is 30. He's been around this league for like eight years, right. but I don't think he's 30. Yeah, well, that, right, and that's why I wanted to use 27 as a cutoff because I think that's okay. kind of when you get into, like, veteran mode, you know what I mean? That's fine. And you're like a vet, vet. But no, I'm with you. Look, uh, they're playing a lot of young guys. The results aren't what you want. No one's arguing that they are. And that's kind of where they are. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. Logan Ryan's 29, by the way. Thank you, Brian, for checking that okay. for us. Let's go, go to Darren in Virginia Beach. Darren, what's going on? Yeah, what's up, Paul? What's up, John? Hey. Hi. Yeah, um, I wanted to call and talk about uh, Dave Gutterman. Uh We stand 10 and 29 under his tenure. You know, we talk about, you know, him drafting young players and so forth, and, even play, and we are uh, even playing young players. But the problem with it is is that as long as we continue to draft the quality of players that we've been drafting and signing the quality of free agents that we're signing, we will remain as a losing organization. Do you agree? Well, clearly the results aren't what they need to be, Darren. No one's going to argue that. They have to get better. You know, just yeah. remember the rule of thumb. You know, you, you, you basically expect your rookies and your draft picks to be real significant contributors by the third season of their pro careers. Well, considering that, you know, Dave's only had three drafts here, 
uh, you know, isn't it a little premature to judge his past two draft classes, although we see flashes and we see guys who are on the young side who we think are going to continue to grow and be better. I mean, I can't tell you right now, X-Man, how good is X-Man going to be? I'm not sure. He's in his second season and he's hurt. But the bottom line is uh, we really, anybody who wants to criticize Dave Gettleman's drafts is going to have to wait another year because the fact is he's only got one draft class since he came into the Giants, which is actually entering its third NFL season. So it's it's a premature criticism. And, and you, Paul, you two just out, haven't waited for the grass to grow out of the seeds. And two out of the three players in that draft class are hurt. Correct. In Barkley and Carter. So my answer to you is no. I disagree with you. Well, the thing of it is, is that, like I said before, at least with your draft class, you have to be at least fifty percent correct. About no, actually, you know, actually, Hall of Famer Bill Polian always said, if you were a third correct in your drafts you were doing a good job. A third. Not half. A third. Yeah, but... If that's the rule of thumb a by a Hall of Fame front office guy now. Come on. I mean, uh, that's yeah, not... I'm he's, not he's making that up. Guy, but it doesn't mean he's the authority on all things. Well, he's more, he's more authority than I am. He's more authority than you are. He's no, in the Hall of Fame. Not. That says that's something. A, when you're paying customers, nobody's more of an authority than you. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Right. So, therefore, what we've seen so far when we're talking about this draft class this year, his first draft class this year, 50% of those guys are not even on the roster. What are you talking about? This year's draft class? Are you serious? When I say on the roster, I don't mean just being on the roster. I mean out on the field producing and giving the team a chance. To be victorious. Well, yeah, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Did you see Tate Crowder return a fumble for a touchdown against Washington? Did you see that? No, 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 no. That's this year's draft class. I'm you just said that. First year's draft class. Oh, the, the, year. oh, okay, I got you, you just said this year. No, you said this year. Yeah, that's though. correct. That's why we're reacting to you like we are. Right. You said this year. Yes. The, the okay. team we have so you, out there this year. Uh, all right. I so got you. T- I got you. All right. All right. So you're talking about the 2018 draft class, which yes. which you have Saquon Barkley's hurt. Will Hernandez has leveled off and had some struggles, sure. Lorenzo Carter appeared to be ready to have a breakout season, and he got hurt. So are we going to blame Gettleman for injuring Barkley's knee? Are we going to blame Gettleman for ripping Carter's Achilles? I mean, B.J. Hill has certainly been a productive rotational player. I, I'm, You know, those are his first four players out of that draft, and he only had six total picks. Right. But at the same time, still, we're not going to talk about, you know, injuries. We're not going to use that as what it is, as results. No, no, injuries are, are reality, though. You can, if, you're are, blame somebody, if you're going to blame somebody and hold them accountable for somebody getting injured on the field, then I, no, then that's I, not I what think, I'm doing. All right. Well, it sounds like you are. No, no, no. Because you, 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 you just said you wanted the results. Well, the results aren't you... there from guys who got hurt. Results are important, and that's not just draft class. That's also free agent signings. Dave Gettleman doesn't just do drafts. He does free right. agents and everything. So, so Bradbury, okay. Martinez, Fackrell, so G- Gano. Wait a minute. Seriously, hold on a second. Uh, Logan Ryan, Bradbury, Martinez, Gano. These guys are all free agents. Uh, Golden Tate, who had a, a really solid year last year. None of these guys are any good. Not no? good enough. 
No, they're not. No, not okay. good enough. Okay, no, all right. Not, that, that, that's your opinion. That's okay. You can have an that's, opinion. That's not good enough. But when you, you talk about opinion. Jonathan Stewart, Kareem Martin, Nate Solder, you, his choices, his 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 signings overall, his draft classes overall, fifty percent. Again, I'm right, not Dan, sure where right, the fifty percent's coming time. from. I'm not sure where the fifty percent's it's coming just, from. Thanks for the call, Darren. We appreciate even, it, man. We've been having an eight and eight season rather than being 10 and 29 overall after almost three seasons. That's what I'm talking about. Win losses, results. No, look, Darren, you're right. And, 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 and uh, thanks a lot for the call. And look, the results have to come. But as Paul mentioned, there are mitigating factors. And if you were expecting them to go 8-8 eight eight last year or the year before, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you were looking at the roster properly. 21 players of the Dave Gettleman draft choices over the last three years are still under contract to the team. 21. And let's see, that's 3, 6, 9, 10 this year, 3, 6, 9, 10 last year, and 6 the year before. So 21 out of 26 players who were drafted are still under contract to the team. How is that 50%? All right, we got... Two callers left, Paul. Let's try to get them in at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Uh, Travis in Queens was holding the longest. Travis. Hey, buddy. How you guys doing? What's um, up, man? All right. Um, John, it's my first time talking to you this, this year, um, by the way. Oh, thanks for calling uh, in. Good, good to hear from you. Yeah. Um, so with the other call, I called yesterday, and, and my point you got uh, – eradicated but that's cool i'm not i'm not i don't want to piggyback on that okay um, i want to i want to go with the last caller about the uh about jay gentleman right i believe like i swear if you guys like you guys was playing on the o-line we'd be okay because the way you guys defend the truth against dave gentleman is just crazy to me like bill parcells said right you you are what your record is if he's nine and 26 is that good under big gentleman no is, is that good under any regime no you mentioned bill polian right bill okay hall of famer good granite cool he was the same guy that said lamar jackson was a wide receiver then had to come back and apologize and said that he was wrong about it right. so the point that i been making is that you know GMs, whoever, they all make mistakes. We gotta sure. own the fact that we gotta own the fact that we are not good. If you all New York talk about the Giants is mainly the O line. Even Phil Sims said it from the jump that Daniel Jones don't have Tom. Yeah, Travis, That's, I know we've so, Travis, Travis, we we've said this on that show on on, on the show many times. They, no, but, they, but Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. But but, when I, but but no, it's cool. But look, I just want to know, right? Is it is it an indictment on Dave Gettleman if you're talking about the Giants O line? This is where he sold to us that this way he would fix this way he knows he knows the trenches, yada yada yada. In my opinion, I really do think to jump. Like I really I understand that these players. You know, time to develop. Like like yesterday, John, you wasn't on. But I said I was – my question was about Andrew Thomas, right? I said, is Andrew Thomas, does he have the trait where you're to fight at? So, you know what? Now, nah, you know, Andrew Thomas next year, he'd be all right. I'm not, I'm not worried. 
that was my question. They took it and they and they tried to say that I mentioned seven games. Well, oh, Travis, Travis, I'll say this. I, I had a conversation, and, and, and you can go back and listen to it. If, if, on, on the Giants Huddle podcast, we had shown a hire on two weeks ago, right? And we did okay. about two or three questions on Andrew Thomas, and this is what he told me as a guy that breaks okay. down offensive linemen. He said that Andrew Thomas, and this was his quote, is not Eric Flowers. This is not a deal where he doesn't punch and, and hugs and has bad feet. Okay. Andrew Thomas has hands. Well, no, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. He has hands. He has good feet. Right now, his right. biggest problem is oversetting, where he does his kick too far. He's worried about getting beat outside, and that's leaving him vulnerable to getting beat inside with spin moves. What Sean's opinion is, and again, I'm just talking what, what, what Sean has said, he thinks right. all the physical tools, including the athleticism, is there, and it's more than enough for him to be a successful offensive tackle in the league for a long time. But he has to get that stuff squared away. Now, are we all disappointed with, with the level of play so far? Yes. Did we think it was going to be better? Right. Yes. Does he have to get better? Absolutely. But right. at this point, I don't know what else you're supposed to do with the fourth overall pick in the draft six games into his right. first season. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I, was, I was going to cut you off to say that, one, that's what I needed. That's all I needed to hear to have me to fight. Because when I talk okay. to you guys, I'm looking for peace of mind, right? Secondly, right, with 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 uh, the Eric Flowers comment, my in my opinion as a giant, that's what scares me the most. You know what I mean? Is that like, yo, I hope he's not Eric Flowers. I think that's no, what I get it. a lot of giants. I get it. You know I get mean? it. So, sure, so I get it. From what Sean O'Hara said, that's beautiful to me. To the point where now now I can rest easily. Like, okay, cool. I'm <laughs> Travis, let me let me give you three items that will also help you. I think number one, and thank you for the call, Travis. We got to go. It's, it's a one on one already. A huge difference between Eric Flowers and Andrew Thomas, uh, besides what we believe to be talent and skill set, is honestly attitude. Attitude is a very big part. Uh, mentality and attitude. Willingness and, to take coaching. It's huge. It's huge. And and now Flowers is on his third organization already. So. Don't compare those two guys. The other two things I do want to say to him, John, is number one, yes, it's great if you take a guy's record in a bubble and say, well, he's well below 500. Uh, That's not getting the job done. Well, that's easy to say, except that he has to come in and inherit a situation. If you go to a new job and you find out you've just been hired and there's a bunch of things that are broken, well, what's the first thing you do? You order a new stapler. You order a new printer. You order a new computer. you got to get the stuff fixed before you can do your job. And it's going to take time for that stuff to be delivered. It gets delivered. Then you start putting all the systems in place. And after a given period of time, now you can start displaying your talent and making the plans that you want to want to make. But you got to fix the broken stuff first. So he inherited a lot of stuff that Dave Gettleman that really broke down where this organization was. That's number two. The third thing I want to give him, John, the Giants did sign a number of veteran free agents who didn't necessarily give them value for the the money that they signed them for. All of those guys, guess what? They got cut because Dave Gettleman was not going to hold on to players who weren't worth the value that he needed to build this team he cut bait you admit mistakes and that takes guts it takes intelligence and 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 you you need to respect guys who will say you know what this was what we wanted to do this guy didn't work out we showed him the door 
We cut bait. We ate the dead money. We ate the salary cap money. That's to be admired. That's to be admired. Admit that you made the mistake. Get rid of the guy and move on. Don't stay with the same guys that you made a mistake with. I don't understand why people aren't actually applauding that. Instead, they're criticizing it. It's crazy to me. No, look, I agree with that. I think it's better to move on than to just hold on and hope. You know, and, and the Giants have We've done seen that, that before, before yes. John, remember? We've yeah, seen that. Absolutely. But look, and, and look, we shouldn't imply that everything's been perfect either, Paul. I don't think that's it's fair. It's not. You know, it's because, not perfect. Because it's of course not. it's not. You know, Nate Solder has not worked out as well as was hoped. And look, you and I both, at the time, talked about him as a potential player even before free agency started. That was a huge topic of the show for, what, two months? Sure. Leading up to the 2018, I guess it was, free agency class, mm-hmm. right? Because they needed a left tackle. And he was the best one available. And... As Timing we, is everything, and, John. And as we always talk about, right, free agency, you're going to have to pay the market value, which is often high. And that's just the Too way it goes. Too high a lot of times. And look, there's been a couple cornerbacks drafted that haven't worked out, and that's a source of some of the issues in the secondary right now. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Sure it is. And those are facts. But I think we'll have a much better feel. And look, we said this at the, at the start of the year, and I'll, I'll just reiterate it again. I indicated, and Paul, you're on the show with me a lot. I know we're going long today, but we had Phil and we had the coach. So I know we want to make sure we get to our last caller, Jonathan, who, who's still on the line. We'll get to you, I promise Okay, you. sorry. Um, no, that's okay. You're fine. But we said before the year that the start of the season could be ugly, okay? Mm-hmm. Based on the offseason and based on the opponents. We were very clear about that before the year. In fact, fans got mad at us for being clear about that. <laughs> I remember. They did. And... But look, now you're on week seven, okay? Or you're through seven games, you're in week eight. I don't want to use that off-season thing anymore. At this point, you've played seven games. You should be where you need to be at this point, right? Is that fair? By now? Yeah. Sure. Agreed. Okay, we're on the same page there. So what we need to see now, and I think we've seen some level of this in certain areas, specifically defensively, where you're starting to see some improvement. You're starting to see progress. Now, unfortunately, one area, Paul, where we have not seen progress, again, injuries have hurt the offense too, with Shepard and Barkley being out. We have not seen the progress we need to from the offensive line. And that is kind of short-circuiting the whole deal on offense, especially the passing game. I think they've run blocked okay, but their, but their pass blocking has not been where it needs to be. For the offense to function. Phil Simms said as much. I think we both knew realistically that could be a rocky road. And to be honest, you pray that it's going to accelerate faster than it has. But you had to know that would be potholes in that road. You had to know that. Yes. I, at least from – I think it's worse than I thought it was going to be, though, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Um, okay. That's just me. Yeah, but, no, I agree with you. So, I agree with you. It's been rockier than it should have been. Right. But again, and to the point that I made on Twitter yesterday, Paul, I'm not sure if you saw my tweet – I I, think so. I ranked, and all these Giant fans came at me for, for making excuses, even though I made no point as to, you know, this is a reason why the Giants are where they are. The record is what the record is. No one's arguing that. But the tweet that I sent out was very simple, and then I started arguing with people, which was my second mistake, and it just got me irritated for the whole day, which is not smart. So, <laughs> anyway, this is what I tweeted out. And, Brian, I'm sorry. We'll get you out of there. I can't imagine any other team has faced a better pass group of pass rushers than the Giants. Their opponents, and I'm including Tampa Bay here, Paul, in terms of sacks in the NFL yep. this year, rank first, second, third, fourth, fifth, 15th, 21st, and 22nd. So the Giants have played the teams with the ranked one through five in sacks this year. 
in terms John, of in terms you, of pressure. You, you, oh, let me okay, one more. Go ahead. Go ahead. In go terms ahead. of pressure percentage, opponents rank first, third, fourth, fifth, seventh, eighth, tenth, and fifteenth. That's remarkable. You know what's funny? You and I did not converse on this. I had this conversation with somebody on the program yesterday, a caller, uh, and he absolutely went went ballistic. In, in debating me over this when I tried to explain to him that in particular, Andrew Thomas has gone up against a rogues gallery of elite pass rushers or certainly top level pass rushers. It's funny that he actually, one of his better games was against Chicago and Khalil Mack. And, yeah. But, and again, the know, funny thing is again, that's not an excuse, but it's a factor. It's, it's a, a factor. factor. And the, the caller refused to understand that or believe that. But if you look at the other tackles who were drafted in the first round, none of them have gone up consistently against the quality of pass rushers that Thomas has faced. Well, again, and I wasn't just e- a fact. And I wasn't even referencing Thomas specifically in the tweet. I just meant well, the performance of the offensive line. He was general. bringing up Thomas right. and I and I and I went right to it because the facts are the facts. He has had the toughest road to navigate of any of the rookie tackles in the league this year. Okay, That's Brian. Not to say he hasn't struggled, yep. but the road's been tougher. All right, Brian has to go, so let's go to Jonathan in Florida. Jonathan, take your most important point and knock it out of the park. Here we go. You got thirty seconds. All right, so um, the, I wanted to talk about, the. I think it was the last couple of plays that the Giants had in the Eagles game, right before they punted to give the Eagles the ball. Sure. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, we were in three, and I think it was third down. Third and six, I and believe, six. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, third and six. To me, I feel like Gallman was running the ball. It would have been nice to see him maybe run, and I get it. They, they tried to give it to Ingram for a big play so they can close out the game. Now, on that fourth down, wouldn't you think it would be better for them to run the ball? I mean, fundamentally, I don't know if it's sound or if it makes sense, but wouldn't it be better for you to run the ball, try to get the, the, the six yards? If you don't get it, okay, you know, turnover on downs and the Eagles get the ball, but they're actually closer to their touchdown, which would possibly leave you more time to be able to do stuff. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait knowing wait, you that mean- your defense... You mean don't punt it on fourth down and go for it? Fourth and seven from near exactly. midfield. You wanted to go for it there. Nah, no, nah, Jonathan. Uh, no, I, that's not going to I happen. have to disagree. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, look, if you want to talk about running it on third down to make him use a timeout, at least I can see that argument. I disagree with it. I'm always one to be aggressive and get the first down. Don't put your defense back out there. But, no, I mean, on fourth down, you got to punt it there. You have to. You, you know, have to. And you know what really stunk? They actually were able to get that punt off and pin the Eagles inside the 20, but because of the penalty, helped the Eagles move right out, out outside the 20 and gave them a great kick start on the drive. And the third down play call, you, you got the matchup you wanted. The guy was open. He just didn't make the play. It exactly. Happens. Paul, good stuff. You too, John. Uh, very eventful day. Yeah, sorry for, Be safe, okay? Yeah, you too, Paul. Sorry, everybody, for going long. Sorry, Brian, for going long. Go get, in the, go get back in there and shoot those TV shows. For Paul Dettino, I'm John Schmelk. Uh, thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. It's all part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. We'll see you on Friday at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Until then.